0: Hello, and welcome to Movie Culture. Hello! Today we're talking about Brave.
1: Brave was released in 2012 and is Pixar's 13th feature film. The movie is credited to Mark Andrews and Brenda Chapman, and we talk about the production of this movie during the episode.
0: If it's been a minute since you've seen the movie, here is a quick synopsis. And if you have seen it, we will put timestamps in the show notes so you can skip ahead.
1: Merida, or Merida, is a Scottish princess of Clan Dunbrook, who learns as a 16 year old that to keep the peace, she must marry one of the eldest sons from the other clans. While the other clans arrive, Merida announces that the winner of an archery competition will win her hand, and then wins the competition herself. An argument with her mother, Eleanor, ensues, which leads to Merida slashing a tapestry of the family and rushing into the woods. There, she meets a witch who specializes in bear-related magic. Merida wishes for a spell to change her mother, hoping that if her mother changes, so will her fate, and she will not have to marry. The witch produces a cake, which Merida feeds to Eleanor, who promptly turns into a bear. The two escape from the castle and Merida's bear-killing father to try and find the witch, who has left only the instructions, then in order to turn her mother back into a human, Merida must mend the bond torn by pride. As Eleanor starts to lose her humanity, Merida races back to the castle to repair the tapestry. At the castle, Merida finds the clans at war, but brokers peace without promising herself to any suitor. Eleanor again is chased by a mob, tragically led by her husband, while Merida repairs the tapestry, and as Daybreak nears, Merida throws the finished tapestry over Eleanor, who remains a bear. And Merida, resigned, assumes responsibility, apologizes, and reconciles with her mother, fulfilling the witch's true meaning and turning her mother human again. So, Tay. How did you like Brave?
0: I wanted to like it a lot more than I did, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. What about you?
1: Yeah, there were a lot of things that were set up in the first half hour, 45 minutes that I was really looking forward towards, and then they never paid off, and it just kind of turned into a little bit of a clumsy version of a Pixar princess movie, which I thought was all right, but it got lost in itself. But there were some things that I really enjoyed, and I think we should start talking about those. And the first thing that I really loved is Princess Merida. I thought she was so really cool. great.
0: I love her independence and her strong will and her hair.
1: Oh, yeah. And
0: her very strong Scottish accent. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so strong.
0: It's really strong.
1: I like that there's a joke that you can't understand one of the suitors, that his accent's too much. But honestly, I could barely understand any of them the entire time.
0: I think that the scene when she declares that she is going to fight for her own hand is pretty epic. I do love it.
1: Yeah, I really love the depth that we get with Merida so immediately. I think what we learn about Merida immediately gives us so much information about her character, what she wants and needs. A lot of that is through pretty blatant exposition. Her being forced to be a princess and to be prim and proper but really wanting to explore and fight and be free. I really love these little character moments of her talking to her horse, her sneaking apples, the way that she asserts her independence and agency in really small ways Mm -hmm. throughout the movie. I also really love the way that she interacts with her surroundings, the way that she set up this archery obstacle course leading away from the castle that she can partake in. I love when she climbs the rock near the firefalls, which we learn after is a symbol of her own bravery, and that's something only the bravest people do, and we learn that she is one of the bravest people, and we also see that there is something truly special about her in that scene, and something especially joyous. She gets to be really happy, and we Mm -hmm. see her at her best be really great, so I really loved that. I really loved seeing this baseline where she is so happy.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's also the first Pixar movie that we have with a kid character, a kid main character.
1: No, that can't be true.
0: I think it is.
1: There's Nemo.
0: Yeah, but Marlin is the main character of that story. We, ha- we spend more time with Marlon than Nemo.
1: Yeah, then I guess you're right. And of course, not only the first main character who's a kid, but the first main character who's a girl.
0: Yay, finally, Pixar. We're 13 movies in and you got there you eventually.
1: Did <laughs> what success. Finally, after 13 movies, you finally have one where the main character is a girl, a group that makes up 50% of the population and your viewers.
0: The bar is low.
1: Oh my God, it's so low.
0: Anyway, what else did you like?
1: Well, staying on Merida for a second. You mentioned her hair, and I just want to shout this out again. Her hair is so cool. It's so good. It's frizzy. It's crazy. It's very, very red. We love all of that. But also, I think it's a really good place to talk about animation Mm -hmm. because Pixar has talked about at various times the way that their animation has adapted over the past few decades. In the first few movies, we get to see how Pixar's animation improves movie after movie, the way they deal with light the way they deal with the ocean, the way they deal with fur, they learn all these new tricks. That fades a little bit in the last few movies, potentially because Cars 2 and Toy Story 3 are supposed to reflect a aesthetic that existed several years before. But I remember when Brave came out, Pixar's new ability to animate hair in this way mm-hmm. is something that they were really excited about. And did they make an entire movie to show just how well they could animate hair? Maybe, but boy, they animate that hair—they're very good at it. (laughs) And not just the hair, but the entire movie is so well animated and so beautiful. That's the thing I noticed right away.
0: Yeah, it's basically a tourism video for Scotland.
1: It's great, and again, it's now been a few years since Pixar's made an original story with original new artwork. And you can see just how much further they've gotten mm-hmm. about the detail they put into the world. It is so beautiful. Again, there are some landscape montages that I am just all in on.
0: Pretty good montage, I admit.
1: And the animation is just really, really stellar and I think holds you into it, even when the story sometimes wavers a little bit.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that.
1: Give me one more thing you liked and then we can move on.
0: I really like the choice to use the dad as a villain of sorts. When the mom turns into a bear, we know that the dad is bent on destroying these bears because he had this run in earlier.
1: The bear king. That was not a Scottish accent at (laughs) all. whoa. I don't know what that was. He's the bear king.
0: Yeah, that wasn't one of your better impressions. No,
1: it was not. (laughs) Thank you for saying that there are better impressions.
0: (laughs) But we know that he wants to kill this bear. So when the Mm -hmm. mom turns into a bear, the first threat that Merida and her mom face is Merida's dad. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really smart for him to be their source of conflict. Yeah. Also, using... Merida's mom as a tension point and villain because there are moments when the mom forgets her human self and slips into just being a bear and that those are scary moments for Merida because she is confronted with a bear mm-hmm. I thought it was very smart, especially in a movie about a girl who feels like her parents are holding her back in ways like they don't understand her. She has a lot of conflict. With her parents. So to use them in the plot as villains at certain points, I thought was very smart.
1: Yeah. It seems like when Merida thinks that her parents are being the villains at the beginning of the movie, that her parents are holding her back, we see as the audience that they're not really. And maybe Merida is asking something perhaps a little unreasonable. And then later in the movie, we do see that reflected back when Merida is actually confronted with her parents. As you said, representing villains. I also really liked how Merida doesn't necessarily understand or control the situation with her mom, as her mom is a bear. How she struggles with understanding how much of her mom she's really connecting to, and how much is there that she doesn't fully understand.
0: Yeah, I liked that.
1: This does bring up one small issue I have with this movie, though.
0: hmm Moving into dislikes?
1: Just a little, just a small one. Okay. I don't think that there are bears in Scotland.
0: Are there not?
1: I should rephrase. I looked it up. There aren't bears in Scotland. Bears went extinct in Scotland like several thousand years ago. Brown bears like Mordue, are thought to have gone extinct in Scotland and across the United Kingdom in the early medieval period, which is about 1500 years ago. So I don't really understand, potentially I understand why bears are legendary, but There would not be that many bears around that it makes sense to have a Scottish king whose whole identity is based on him, like being the bear king.
0: Okay. Technically, there are magic bears that are actually humans.
1: Okay. That's a great point. But we do see other stuffed bears. And here's my part two of this the witch lady is carving bears all over the place. She's got a whole. Yeah. She's obsessed with them. Yeah. So it seems like people really know about bears in Scotland, even though they theoretically have gone extinct, which, you know, is something that someone probably should have Googled before they made a whole movie about bears in Scotland. Also, Merida, look, my girl, we like you a lot. We're big fans. But if there's a witch, A, don't trust a witch. B, if the one thing you know about the witch is that she's like mad into bears, don't be vague with your... I want to change something spell. That witch was very clearly going to change whatever she could into a bear. That's her whole thing. She carved thousands of bears. She was the bear witch.
0: Yeah, she really wants to make bears happen again. She wants to bring them back.
1: She's like so into bears. (laughs) Like, it's a cool witch vibe, but don't think that this witch is going to give you a non-bear related spell after seeing all those damn bears. Anyway, that's less of a dislike and more of a tangent on bears.
0: Well, the bears do feel really random in this movie, Mm -hmm. but I did some research.
1: Ooh, Tay's research corner.
0: And there was more to the whole bear subplot.
1: Oh, tell me more.
0: All right. I think we need to back up a little bit and talk about the behind the scenes of how this movie was made, which is that brave Not only is the first movie with a main female character, but it is also the first movie with a female director. How about that? Very exciting until you find out that they actually fired her a year before the movie came out. The director is Brenda Chapman, who was brought to Pixar when they were doing Cars because they felt like maybe they needed a lady person (laughs) to fix Sally's character because they wanted to make Sally's character more realistic. So,
1: Did they listen to her?
0: No. So Brenda says that they brought her on too late. The movie was basically done and there wasn't anything that she could do.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Also, the idea of bringing on a woman not to tell stories from a different perspective or just think about things in an interesting way, but specifically to help them fix female characters is clearly not Giving Brenda a full seat at the table.
0: Yeah. Apparently she made these joke business cards for herself that listed her title as token female story director at Pixar, which is just sad.
1: That is not ha funny.
0: It's just like, this is a toxic work environment funny.
1: Yeah. So when Brenda Chapman started on Brave, she wrote the original story and was the original director?
0: Yes, but was fired because of quote, creative differences, which she has later said essentially boiled down to butting heads with John Lasseter. Mm. And it seems like one of the main points of contention was that they wanted to make this into a father-daughter story, and she really wanted it to be a mother-daughter story. Ah. So they fired her. They turned it into a father-daughter story. It didn't work. And then they changed it back to a mother-daughter story.
1: You know, this makes a lot of sense because there are clearly a few different themes that the movie is trying to work with. And I think one of the issues we have is that there's so much potential in both of these themes, but neither really works through the movie or comes to any real conclusion, which leaves the movie really lacking. So you do feel this tension, this creative tension while watching.
0: Yeah. You can tell that it is not just one artistic vision. Yeah. But back to bears, Brenda Chapman has said later that her idea and her original story had the mom turning into a bear because the dad was so much like a bear figure. Mm -hmm. And what Merida asks of the witch is to make her mom more like her dad.
1: Ah, got it.
0: Which doesn't solve the problem of why are bears such a thing in Scotland. Yeah. But is much more interesting, I think, in having Merida want her mom to be more like her dad and to have her mom exhibit traits that are maybe more stereotypically masculine.
1: Mm -hmm. It also solves the problem of Merida giving a really vague request to a witch who clearly needs specificity.
0: Yes, which leads to my biggest problem with the movie, which is related to theme. Okay, let's go. I think what you're saying is so true about these conflicting ideas. It feels like this movie should be about the restrictions that Merida feels as a princess mm-hmm. and then more broadly as a girl in her society and the restrictions also that her mother as the queen feels and is trying to push on to Merida because this is how the mom has learned to live in and survive in this society as a woman.
1: The most powerful parts of this movie are when Merida talks about how being a princess means being perfect and she doesn't want to be perfect or have these expectations and responsibilities on her. She wants to be free.
0: Yeah, there's so much potential to dig into these ideas about what it means to be a girl, what it means to be a woman, what society expects from girls and women and how, this, and how they are trapped within these expectations and norms. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before on this podcast, but the most interesting way to play out themes and conflicting ideas like this is through tension in a relationship, which this movie clearly has with Merida and her mom. To have Merida and her mom have this conflict of generational femininity and sexism is really interesting. And the movie does do it, but it feels like... The movie does not go all the way with this because and this is just me reading this into the movie because I don't know intentions and I don't know how the writers were feeling and, and how this came about. But as a viewer, it feels to me like they felt in some way insecure or they didn't feel like it was enough. To have the theme of this movie be held in the relationship with the mother and daughter and to be about what it means to be a girl. And so it seems like they just pushed and layered on this whole theme of fate and destiny because it felt like a more important theme or a deeper theme in some way. Mm -hmm. But in reality, the way that they are using this theme of fate is vague and kind of shallow
1: Yeah, I totally agree.
0: And it just feels like such a shame and such a missed opportunity because we know that the best Pixar movies, the ones that really get you and make you cry, the way that they do relationship, it's through Marlon and Nemo, it's through Sully and Boo, it's through Carl and Ellie, and they had this relationship that should have been the heart of this movie. And it felt like they couldn't, see that or they didn't feel like it would affect people enough. And it's hard not to feel like the reason that they believed that is because of sexism.
1: Yeah, Pixar's bread and butter is the relationships between parents and children. Mm -hmm. And not only the examples you mentioned, but also, you know, Toy Story and the layers of Woody and Buzz acting or believing themselves to be somewhat parental figures for Andy Mm -hmm. We also continue to see this about generational relationships as you get further along in things like Coco and things like Inside Out and things like Onward, which are many of the more affecting Pixar movies really the entire way through their run. And it does feel like their hesitation on making this be one of their signature, again, bread and butter parent-child stories is that this is a girl kid.
0: And a mom parent.
1: And that's just something, you know, we Who can could have, relate? Yeah, we can have fish dads, we can have toy dads, but moms, oh, I don't know. Yeah. And again, I'm sure part of this is removing the head creative force in Brenda Chapman halfway through the production of the movie and losing out on her voice and vision mm-hmm. and not quite understanding how to fit in this- relationship that they fundamentally didn't understand. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack with this theme because there are these two themes that run in opposition to each other. So I want to break them up. Does that sound okay? Mm -hmm. So first I want to talk about fate and destiny, and let's talk about that theme, how they build up this theme, how they try and get it to work, and where it eventually fails. And then let's move on this theme about the confines of womanhood and how that theme is built up and what was stripped out Mm -hmm. that prevents it from holding its own. Great. So starting with destiny and fate, where do they start that theme? Can you take us through the movie examining only that theme?
0: So that comes pretty early on when Merida does this voiceover in the beginning about the idea of fate. And we can play it right here.
1: If you could change a fight, would you?
0: Oh, that was, that was pretty good. Yeah, that, was, would, that was, was good. That. Wow. Wow.
1: Some see our destiny is tied to the land, as much a part of us as we are of it. Others see
0: fate is woven together like a cloth. So that one's destiny intertwines with many others.
1: It's the one thing we search for, or fight to change. Some never find it. But there are some who are
0: led. To me, this is a little bit interesting, um, but also very generic. I think that that was my biggest problem with the fate subplot in general is that it felt like a generic fantasy theme. And I don't think that they really dug much further into it than what is a bit obvious about it.
1: To be honest, I think even that is a little generous. I think that this movie says almost nothing about fate. It has this monologue, this voiceover at the beginning, and then it has a paired voiceover at the end Mm -hmm. that says you can change your fate if only you're brave enough. And it's the title of the movie, yada da. I don't think the movie addresses fate or destiny at all within its runtime though.
0: Right. And that's what's really, it feels totally disjointed. It feels tacked on. We don't really know what Merida's fate is, aside from, I guess, marrying someone.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Is her fate just that she should get married, and her bravery is adapting that and saying that actually she wants to fall in love before she gets married, and that's the entire theme of the movie from that perspective?
0: Yeah, and it's a very shallow thing in the first place that It's just, oh, she doesn't want to get married to someone she doesn't know. But what does it mean for her to get married? Does she then leave her own kingdom? Does she rule somewhere else? Is she separated from her family? We have no idea what it means to be a woman in this society at all. There's basically no other women aside from her mom around.
1: Also, as we've mentioned before, Merida is a very young character, and we never see her worried about marriage from her perspective of being a child. right? Her not wanting to get married is all about just wanting to ride her horse and shoot arrows and none of the ramifications of what that marriage means or what it would mean to be ready for marriage.
0: Right. And also, it felt like obviously lacking in this movie that we don't know anything about her mom and her Mm -hmm. mom's history. Why is her mom the way she is? Why does her mom believe that you have to behave In a very strict way in order to be accepted in this society. Yeah. Where did her mom come from before she married her dad? What does it mean to her mom emotionally to be pushing Merida into marriage? There's just the depth is really missing. And it's kind of frustrating because it's hard not to watch this movie and want it to be more because Mm -hmm. it feels like it could be more. And it's such an important movie in the Pixar Line. It's the first female character. It's the first female story.
1: And even more than that, it represents a really important moment after the Pixar Disney merger where Pixar gets to do their version of this classic, the classic, the preeminent Disney trope, the princess story. They finally get to do their version of the most iconic animated themes that exist in our culture. There is so much potential that you take this iconic intellectual property of the Disney princess story and you combine it with Pixar's incredible storytelling techniques and you create this supernova movie and instead it just fizzles immediately and says basically nothing Mm -hmm. of interest about that entire trope.
0: I think that it feels really afraid to be a a Disney princess movie. Mm -hmm. And I I think that you feel this movie resisting that so hard. And I completely understand wanting to be different than what Disney had done, especially up until that point with their princess movies, because there was a lot of sexism baked into those movies. Mm -hmm. But it feels like the way that they were resisting was to push against this mattering at all. Yeah. And to be and try to be about something entirely different while still being about a princess movie and how it's bad to be a princess. And so it just feels very messy.
1: I totally agree.
0: I felt this way throughout the whole movie, but there was one scene in particular and one dialogue exchange. And it's the one that you were talking earlier about where Merida is asking the witch to change her fate. Okay, yeah and it really stood out to me as a sign that this movie was not confident in its internal logic. Merida says twice in that scene that she wants to change her fate, and to change her fate, she has to change her mom. And mm-hmm. she kind of like stretches this logic out. The thing that she keeps asking the witch for is, I want to change my fate, and then she'll clarify to make it make sense. And that means changing my mom because my mom wants me to get married. And it just feels so artificial
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> because that character, especially, she's a kid. She's a, she's a child character. She's mad at her mom. Her mom is trying to force her into a marriage that she doesn't want to be in. Merida in this situation, if she's a real, if she's behaving as a realistic character, is not asking the witch to change her fate. She's focused on her mom and changing mm-hmm. her mom. And so it feels like they kind of they kept trying to push in this idea of changing your fate. And if you have to have your main character on multiple occasions explain why it makes sense that they want the thing they want, the mo- the movie's not currently working.
1: Yeah, it would have made much more sense for her to ask the witch, help me convince my mom that I shouldn't get married. Right. As opposed to anything about fate whatsoever.
0: Yeah, especially because it doesn't seem, it's not like everyone else is constantly talking to her about fate.
1: Yeah, I think that's an issue I have with this. We've talked a lot about the marriage and her trying to break off the marriage or her trying to delay the marriage. She starts the movie by saying that there is fate. And at the end, she says, If you are brave enough, you can change your fate. And the only thing that's truly changed is she was destined to get married, and now her marriage is delayed. Everything that happens with her mom and the bear and the adventure of it is to serve that purpose. But it doesn't necessarily change what her fate was. Her fate was to get married and then to not get married. That's how she changes it. Mm -hmm. My issue with this is that that's a very light interpretation of what fate is for these characters. Yeah. That is one single moment. And it reduces these characters down to marital status alone.
0: That's a very good point.
1: And, you know, I sort of disagree a few minutes ago when you said that talking about fate is a very generic theme. Mm -hmm. Because I actually think it's a really incredible theme. And it's something that the best stories, the best fantasy stories, as you were saying... Do incredibly well. There is still room in those stories to get it better because fate is one of the thorniest questions that we have as a society with our history.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I I think that there's a lot of ways to do fate in an interesting way. I just felt like this was a generic way.
1: Yeah, I don't even think this is a generic way. I think it's this just is, not a way. I think it's not a way. Merida has some sort of fate, right? Fate. Which is a predestination of every moment of her life and the direction of her life. That fate starts with her circumstance and continues on in every decision that she makes, in every outcome, in every situation she's in. Fate and destiny is really intertwined with free will. We only see time happening sequentially. We see one thing happen and then the next thing happen, and we assign a cause-and-effect ideology to that progression of events, because we see it as a progression, because we see things in this linear manner. The entire idea of fate is that these things are actually not done in a cause-and-effect progression. They're all happening simultaneously, and that one thing doesn't lead to another thing, because all of it, every event in every timeline, is already predetermined. For Merida, that's the suitor's coming, It's her going against them. It's her shooting the arrows and making the shots. It's her going to the witch. It's her turning her mom into a bear. It's her saving her mom. It's her living happily ever after or whatever else she does in her entire life. That's all her destiny. This movie doesn't really care to address if Merida has free will. And that's what Fate and Destiny is really about. Does she truly? have the ability to change her circumstances, to change what is predestined. That's not even going into it asking the more heady question of if you change your destiny to something else, is that new thing a new path or was that your destiny the entire time? That's a much more heady question than this movie is interested in Mm -hmm. asking. But there's so much about fate, especially for a princess And especially Mm -hmm. when she's being told that she has to do these things. Does she really have to do them? What does that mean? What happens if she goes off script? As opposed to what this movie uses fate to mean, which is what you're supposed to do. Not even generally, just specifically. We can talk about fate as an emotional concept that guides us through our entire lives and propels us in ways we don't understand. That's what stories that talk about fate well do. They talk about it as an overarching theme in your entire life. This movie talks about fate as you're supposed to do one thing. And it says you're fated to do that one thing.
0: Get married, yes or no.
1: Exactly. That's not fate. That's like a very early version of a binary choice video game.
0: (laughs) I think that you are very right. I think that the movie is trying to say, look, Merida's not like the other princesses because the other princesses got married, but Merida didn't get married. She changed her fate.
1: Yeah. I'll also just finish this off by saying at the end of the movie when Merida says you can change the fate if only you're brave enough to do that, Merida is so brave in this movie. She routinely confronts bears. she's a very, very brave character. Mm -hmm. We really like Merida. Yeah, Maybe her throwing off tradition and deciding not to get married is indeed a really brave thing. We as the audience could have learned more about the consequences of that. Maybe we find out that if she decides not to get married, she's sending her father and brothers to war and they're probably going to die. And her decision not to get married is brave because there are real, real consequences about it. But instead, we see a character who is very brave do something that is not the brave thing that she does in delaying her marriage. And I don't know why that gets attributed to her bravery.
0: I think that's a really good point, that we don't know the consequences of her not getting married at all. Yeah. And the emotional turning point of the movie for Merida, when we see that she's changed, is when she is trying to distract the crowd of men, suitors and other, Mm -hmm. so her mom can sneak into the castle and repair the tapestry.
1: Her mom also, for what it's worth, needs to do a better job of sneaking. Merida is being a distraction, and instead of letting Merida's distraction let her through the Great Hall, the mom just watches in bare form until she's done.
0: Yeah, (laughs) but Merida demonstrates to her mom and to the audience, to the viewers, that she has changed because she says that she realizes now that she was selfish and she was making a selfish decision for herself and she will be unselfish and she will get married. And we're just watching it feeling like, what? (laughs) The understanding that we have As modern viewers, modern American viewers from this movie made by a modern American company is that Merida should absolutely not be getting married to a stranger that she's never met. That is pretty antithetical to the culture that we are in right now. Yeah. So it seems like such a false choice for Merida to say that this is what she should do and that it's selfish for her not to. Because if the movie is really going to try to say that, then it needs to show us why. Because the, the creators know that their audience is primarily coming at it from a point of view of seeing arranged marriage as outdated and something that they should not be forced into.
1: Yeah, the movie needs to put us in the mind of Scottish people in this age where this is not only a reasonable thing, but an absolutely necessary thing for the peace and safety of the entire kingdom, as opposed to just saying, look, you're in Scotland now. You hear the bagpipes and you see the waterfalls. It's great.
0: But of course they can't do that. Yeah. Because then if Merida decides not to, then she is selfish. If if the movie tells us, oh, well, everyone's going to (laughs) die. If -hmm. she doesn't, then we'd be like, oh, then she does have to.
1: Yeah.
0: But the way that it sets it up. Merida is right. Merida was right all along. Her mom was just being totally uptight and unreasonable Mm -hmm. and whatever. Everything's fine. If Merida, Merida doesn't get married. It really paints the mom as being uptight and also the only person in Merida's life who's trying to force her into marriage. Yeah. I find that very frustrating that, that the dad in this movie is this, you know, like chill dad, whatever he's on Merida's side. He's like, oh, you know, maybe like she doesn't have to get married to these men. And the mom is the one who's coming in and is like, no, she has to for reasons that the movie doesn't make clear at all.
1: Yeah, it's easy to look at this and say, it's just another chill dad, bummer mom. But these are characters and tropes that the movie is specifically building for emotional resonance. And there's no reason for them to be building them this way.
0: Right. Also, just as a somewhat aside, in that same speech, Beretta talks about how the dad unified the the four kingdoms and how they all came together by fighting someone else mm-hmm. and how war really unified all of them. And that just felt, I don't know, maybe a little bit toxic.
1: <laughs> That's toxic for sure. It's also xenophobic is the other word mm-hmm. for it. The idea that you can only be united with people who you hate by a common enemy, that's not something that we should be espousing in our popular culture.
0: And reminiscing about how war was so good for their society. Yeah. The original legend of the bear. Mordu. Mordu, the the bear that the dad is obsessed with killing.
1: The French Scottish bear.
0: Yes. Um, is we find out later that He was originally human. He was one of the four kings who wanted all the power to himself and he wanted to destroy all the other kingdoms. And he asked the witch to make him more powerful. So she turned him into a bear.
1: The bear witch? The bear witch. Oh, big surprise. She's
0: got one move.
1: You want to be strong? Bear. You want to change your fate? Bear.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mad at your mom? Bear.
1: Want a small toy? (laughs) Bear.
0: <laughs> but that is the legend that we hear from the very beginning about how this mm-hmm. one man wanted power and was selfish and tore everybody apart. And that is what Merida's mom compares Merida not wanting to get married to. And that is what Merida later compares herself to in not wanting to get married. And it just feels like a woman wanting autonomy an agency in her own life is not equal to a man who wants all the power to himself and will destroy everyone else in the process.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's super true. And also, I think, reflects what we see a lot in our society, that women wanting equality is generally compared to men wanting power.
0: Yeah. It's nice at the end that the mom... Tells her that she can break tradition and marry whoever she wants. But again, that seems like a little bit false to set up that the queen is the one in charge and holding back this girl from agency over her own life instead of this entire patriarchal system where it seems that no women exist.
1: I think that the patriarchal system is criticized pretty heavily in this movie by how foolish it is at points that the tribes are always a hair away from absolute chaos and brawling. They break out into chaotic violence a couple different times. And look, we don't need to have a car crash watch on this because there are no cars or nothing that resembles cars, but we represent chaos and violence through chaos and violence. Mm -hmm. And the men are never shown with depth. The dad is shown with a little bit of depth, but none of the other male characters, and there are a lot of other male characters, are just shown as their most base and ironically animalistic Mm
0: -hmm. through the
1: entire movie.
0: I mean, for what it's worth, I don't think that was an accident. It seems like Brenda Chapman was saying that.
1: Oh, yeah. And it makes sense that the women think all about their responsibilities and the political future of the kingdom and what is societally necessary while the men are imbued in this chaos and stuck in in the chaos and not able to emerge out of it or think beyond it. It could have been a finer skewering of the way that these decisions can be made if only with the violence that the patriarchy exists in. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think because Brenda Chapman was removed from this movie, I think that that doesn't have so much teeth. Yes. And instead, it just feels played for humor instead of a direct, specific satire.
0: It feels like when men say something like, oh, men, we really need women around to keep us on track, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> and they like think that they're being feminist when they say that cuz they're like men can't do anything without women because women are really the smart ones. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like I just don't have any interest in that. I I'm not interested in a patriarchal society where it's presented as if the patriarchy happened by accident because men are just running around and they didn't even think about it and then oops, oppression happened. I, I mean, no, that's disingenuous. It has happened because men have tried to gain power, like we see with Mordu in the legend. It's not Mondu. Mordu. Mordu. <laughs> Mordu. Like we see with Mordu in the legend. But when we have these men and the kingdoms presented in real time on screen, there yeah, there's just no teeth to it. They're not the ones who are repressing Merida. They're not the ones who are reinforcing a society where they can control where women go and who they marry. It is just the mom who is doing this. And for what it's worth, I think that there is interesting commentary to be had. I think that it's realistic to have the mom really being strict with Merida and telling her to do these things and telling her she has to behave a certain
1: way. Especially in the absence of a father figure who will share that burden with her, who instead only takes up the, I'll teach her to be a warrior and learn to do things my way without the further responsibility that I don't acknowledge being necessary because I haven't had to deal with it.
0: Right. And I think that I, as an adult can watch this movie and understand where this mom is coming from and understand larger systems and kind of project the assumption that this mom is living in a society where she has to behave a certain way and where she's genuinely concerned that if Merida doesn't, then Merida will be in danger and she will not be able to succeed Mm -hmm. as an adult woman in their society. But that's me coming in with, Historical context, wanting the movie to be different than what it is. And I feel like this movie is primarily for kids. Kids are going to be watching it. They're not going to have that historical context. They are seeing what the movie is showing them. And the movie is not showing them any of that depth. It doesn't later peel back layers of the mom and explain why she is the way she is and why she's concerned and worried about Merida. It just presents. An uptight, no fun mom that eventually needs to chill out and let her daughter be right. And then everything is fine.
1: Kids use these movies to learn about these systems. Mm -hmm. They don't understand the systems and put that onto the movie. And when this movie only works if you understand those systems, that means that it is actually reinforcing these systems that it should be working against.
0: Right. It should be breaking this down. Yeah. And it's not. And so I felt so disappointed watching it. I just felt like this had the potential to be so much more impactful and so much better than it is, not just from a point of feminism, Mm -hmm. but also from a story structure standpoint. I just feel like if they leaned into the heart of it, it could have been way more moving emotionally and just more cohesive as a plot and as a story.
1: I think those are all really great points. I appreciate what this movie's trying to do, and I feel bad that it doesn't get all the way, and I really wish it would because of the the place it occupies at the nexus of these storytelling universes. I think my final thought is this, and I'm saying this in the wake of Zack Snyder releasing a four-hour cut of the Justice League movie, which like-
0: Which we have not seen and will not see.
1: No, I have zero interest in literally anything Justice League related, much less anything that takes four hours. (laughs) But boy, I'd love to see a Brenda Chapman cut of Brave. Yeah. Like I would love to see the complete arc that she was intending. Hashtag Chapman cut. Let's let's do that.
0: (laughs) Let's make it happen.
1: That's much more interesting to me, and I would love to see what that movie looks like. I think that one thing that Pixar does so well from a storytelling perspective is create these rooms where stories are really, really fleshed out. They take longer than other animation studios to create their movies. At the end of the day, that might be the reason why they routinely get so much more quality is... Their production timeline is typically about a year longer than other studios, and they also get really, really great voices to make their movies, people who do really, really interesting, thoughtful work, whether that is our fave Pete Doctor, or Andrew Stanton, who we have some problems about the messages he relays, but acknowledge that he's masterful in the way that he does that or Brad Bird, who makes really, really entertaining genre movies. I wish that we could see some other really incredible people take on these roles and tell stories with the same level of rigor and production and quality that the Pixar brand relies on. And I wish we did get to see, seriously, the story that was intended to be told. So, hashtag release the Chapman cut. That's all I got to say about it. Yeah, I wish the movie had reached its potential, but ultimately I think it uh, it fell a little short of that while still being very fun and giving us a whole host of Scottish accents that we now want to try.
0: Yeah. My concern a little bit is that Pixar really took the wrong lesson away from Brave which was female characters don't work and female directors don't work. And to that I say, how dare you, Pixar?
1: You know, I'd love to think that they didn't take away that message, but Brave, as we said, is the 13th Pixar movie and they are soon releasing their 24th movie, Luca, and Brenda Chapman remains the only female director of a Pixar movie.
0: And she was fired. Yeah. So it's not great and we don't like it. And I believe that they are doing a movie for 2022 with a female director. Yes. The director of the short bow. Yeah. So that's really exciting. A woman of color looking forward to that, but wow, it took you long enough.
1: Yeah. It really shows the one strike and you're out mentality. Yeah. Um, if you want to tweet out hashtag release the Chapman cut, the best way to do that is to follow us on Twitter at movie culture pod and like, and review us, subscribe, tell a friend.
0: Josh does good tweets.
1: I do my best.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening. We will see you next time for what are we watching next time?
1: Monsters University.
0: Monsters University. We're gonna
1: take you to school. <laughs>